Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, April 6th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. So much good stuff to get into, Bax. Uh, the media is going to meet with Ohio State's quarterbacks and linebackers today at 10.30 a.m., So, but just about an hour and a half away. I can't wait for that. As soon as I get the show posted, I'm going to head on over to Ohio State. Uh, so we're going to get to talk to C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, and then a bunch of linebackers, including true freshman C.J. Hicks, who we will talk about in a moment. At least I hope. You never know. He's on the schedule. Sometimes there's class conflicts or things happen, but I think we'll get a chance to talk to C.J. Hicks today. Can't wait for that. And, and to talk to a lot of other linebackers. Let's start with the quarterbacks, my friend. Um, let's focus on Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Who do you think will be the number two quarterback this year? And give me a very early prediction on who's going to be the Buckeye starter in 2023. Well, as good of a prospect as Devin Brown is, he hasn't played like Kyle McCord did last year. McCord's got a whole extra year in the system. McCord was a big reason that Quinn Ewers left. Uh, I, I think the only person you can realistically think to hold those spots right now is Kyle McCord, uh, at least as of today. Now, I'm not saying that Devin Brown won't have significant development that allows him to be in position to challenge for that starter's role next year, because I think everybody in their and their mother thinks that C.J. Stroud's going to be off collecting NFL money. But I have to think that McCord is the heavy favorite to start next year. It'll be his third year in the program. We've already seen him play one game. Granted, it was against Akron, but he played well. I have to think McCord is the front runner to be the backup this year and to start next year for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've been very impressed with Devin Brown. Um, but I, you know, I like Kyle McCord as well. It's going to be very interesting. Good problem to have when you're going to lose – maybe the top overall pick of the draft in C.J. Stroud, but then you have a couple of, you know, five stars to pick from um, to be to replace him. Um, Ryan Day has high four stars, you know, whatever they ended up being. Um, Ryan Day just continues to knock it out of the park with quarterback recruiting. Um, let's talk about the linebackers, man. I mean, C.J. Hicks getting first-team reps, that's very, very, very interesting. Um, I just uh, – I mean, and again, I've talked about this. I talked about this on Monday's show, Backs. That doesn't mean he's going to be a starter, necessarily. He might be, though. I mean, it's a hell of an interesting development that C.J. Hicks is a true freshman who should still be in high school, is getting first-team reps at linebacker this spring. You know, if a dog's going to bite, it's going to bite as a pup. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what we always heard, right? Oh, that's, so, one the, that's one of the Cooperisms. That's yeah. one of the Cooperisms. Well, that pup is biting. Look, spring ball oftentimes starts off with the – upperclassmen, the incumbent guys getting first-team reps. And as the spring goes on, you start seeing guys earn their way into these reps. 
So the fact that now as spring is evolving towards the spring game, Ryan Day's talking about starters emerging. The fact that C.J. Hicks is taking reps with the first team speaks volumes because there is no reason to give him those reps unless you think he's earned them. Most freshmen are on the second or third team, even the early enrollees. Now, Hicks is an elite, elite athlete, but this is Ohio State where we have a lot of elite, elite athletes. But the fact that he's taking those reps to me means that that's a guy who has officially put his hat squarely in the middle of the ring for playing time. I don't know if he's going to start either. I, I, I don't know if he's going to show up and, you know, everybody remembers Darren Lee bursting onto the scene, but that was as a redshirt freshman. So I'd love to see it. I would love to see it because we have been lacking at linebacker recently. So it would be so nice to have one of these linebackers just show up and immediately fully formed to go on the field as a star. It's been a while since we've had that at linebacker. So I'm very eager to see what, what Hicks looks like in the spring game and the practices we get to see this spring and then kind of the reports as it goes forward because right now he could well be a starter. It's a very realistic proposition, and that's awesome for Ohio State. We're going to be like running around with chickens with our heads cut off over at the WAC today trying to run around and talk to all these guys. I mean, I kind of wish they were splitting up the quarterbacks and the linebackers would – but they, we're getting them all today, so uh, it's going to be a fun day over at the WAC. Again, if, for those that are just tuning in, we're going to meet with Ohio State's quarterbacks and linebackers after practice. The Buckeyes are practicing right now. They're having their 10th practice of spring, so we'll meet with Ohio State's quarterbacks and linebackers to keep it locked to Bucknuts for all of that. Bax, what else intrigues you about linebacker this spring? I mean, Steel Chambers looks like the number one linebacker if you're ranking them in order. I mean, he takes all of his reps with the first team. Tommy Eichenberg reps with the first team, but also takes some second team reps. Chip Trainum taking second team reps looks good. Cody Simon's been banged up. Obviously, we've talked about CJ Hicks. Taraja Mitchell was getting first team reps at the scrimmage. I, as I said on Monday's show, man, I don't know if that's throwing a fifth year senior a bone in spring, as we see all the time, or maybe if the light has come on for Taraja, who knows? What else intrigues you about linebacker this spring? Well, like you said, I want to see Chip uh, after him switching back from running back as he's come back from the West. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see what he has to offer. Uh, I think Steel Chambers is the one guy coming back we have to feel like is going to be on the field. He was our best linebacker last year. Eichenberg still has a lot to prove to me. He had a great Rose Bowl, right? There's no taking that away from him. He had a great Rose Bowl. But the guy still had a lot of times last year where he looked slow, where he wasn't moving at the pace he wanted him to. And then the one name that I really want to see maybe work his way up the depth chart a little bit would be Reed Carrico. That yeah. was a guy that, that I think we really need to see whether or not he's going to develop in more. He's been, it sounds like, doing pretty well. And I think the Hicks talk is going to maybe overshadow that a little bit. But Reed Carrico is a guy that as a redshirt freshman this year, I think a lot of us are anticipating getting on the field a lot more. And I certainly hope he earns his way on the field a lot more. And again, this is the linebackers where we have not been great recently you know steel chambers is a converted running back was our best linebacker last season uh we're talking right now about a true freshman at seagate cj hicks earning some playing time i really don't need to see much more of taraja mitchell because i think we've seen it there and you know yay i hope the light bulb comes on like i'm certainly open to that because the best players need play but i just i don't have a lot of faith after having what seen what we've seen from him so right now i'm really excited to see reed carrico i'm really excited to see train him I'm really excited to see C.J. Hicks moving up the depth chart. Obviously, Steel Chambers is the guy. 
And I, I'd love to see Eichenberg, you know, d- develop and we see more of what we saw out of the Rose Bowl from him. The big question is, is he fast enough to, to move laterally across the field to have those kind of games against a little faster teams in Utah? I don't know the answer to that right now. But I think a lot of people look at Eichenberg and there's a little bit of uh, thought that, okay, you know, is this another tough Borland or is this another Pete Werner? What are we looking at here? And I, I think that most of us definitely think that the jury is out on Tommy Eichenberg. I know that's how I feel. But I'd love to see more of Carrico and C.J. Hicks. And I think if the two of them can step up next to uh, step up next to Steel Chambers, then you're talking about some of the younger guys coming out and being a very big impact. But it also feels like OSU is going to be playing a lot of linebackers this year. And it also feels like Cody Simon is still injured. And he's another guy that would be very much near the top of the heap if they could just stay on the field. And that's becoming a concern. Yeah, Pete Werner was incredibly underrated, I think, by most Ohio State fans, not by the coaches. Yep. They, they loved him. That guy was a, a really good player at Ohio State and was a second-round draft pick and played well as a rookie. And I think Tommy Eichenberg could be solid. Tommy Eichenberg's not going to be Pete Werner. Pete Werner, um, he, was, he was a baller at Ohio State, and I don't know why fans didn't like him. Uh, his coaches did. His teammates did. I liked him. I liked him. <laughs> I yeah, liked him. I liked him. And, and right now he's liking his checkbook right now, being a second round pick and playing in the NFL. So, um, all right, let's get to some get to some questions here. Well, first of all, Ed had – oh, and by the way, before we get to some questions, Ed um, – or excuse me, you made a great point about um, Reed Carrico. He is the number one Sam. When they go with three linebackers, usually they're just going to have two linebackers on the field. When the opposition is in 12 personnel, as you and I talked about on last week's show backs, they're going to have a Sam linebacker out there, and that's going to be Reed Carrico. EA Natiote is also repping there, but uh, that's going to be Reed Carrick. I'm glad you brought that up. He is a the first-team Sam and can play other linebacker spots too. It's not like that's just going to be the only spot he can play. He can add depth at the other spots as well. Um, all right, Ed, <laughs> when I said, are they just throwing um, Taraja Mitchell a bone or maybe the lights come on, Ed is saying uh, they're throwing him a bone. Okay, come on, Ed. All right, Ed does have a question about the quarterbacks. Ed wants to know who has the strongest arm between the backups they both have strong arms from the little I've seen backs. I think Devin Brown's got the stronger arm. Yeah, I think – not that McCord is a noodle or anything. Right, right. But I, I, I think that, that, that Devin Brown's reputation was as a cannon arm kind of kid. And, you know, we, we all saw the videos of Quinn Ewers throwing the ball 75 yards in the air standing still or whatever, right? But, like, you don't have to do that to be a, a really good strong arm quarterback, right? And I think a lot of us are sort of scarred by, like, the JT Barrett, like, floppers that got knocked down in the breeze on a five-yard out. So we're all worried about how strong a quarterback's arm is. We're going to be worried. It, 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 this quarterback arm strength right now is what used to be floppy belly defensive tackles and ankle width on linemen and whatever the big concern uh, of the week was over the different decades here on Bucknuts. We have two quarterbacks with big arms. Both these guys – can throw the ball perfectly fine if there's a little bit of a breeze. McCord has a big arm too, right? Uh, these these are two guys that have strong arms. I think Browns is like if you made them stand still and see who could throw it the furthest, Brown would probably win. But I don't know that. That's kind of my my thought process where that's at at least. Let's talk about the guys that left the program uh, recently: Legend Cavazos, Bryson Shaw. Not a big surprise. Um, not a surprise at all, actually. They're now down to 88. I wish both those kids well. Um, good young men. 
Um, they just want to play. I mean, it's very easy to understand. It's it makes sense from both sides. I, you know, they probably got the talk, but um, wish both those kids well. It's been fun uh, covering them. Bryson Shaw started eleven games last year after after Proctor got hurt. It's kind of a whipping boy for fans. Remember, let me rephrase that: was a whipping boy for fans, not kind of. Um, again, I wish those guys well. They're down. They're down to eighty-eight scholarships now. Um, that still means they're three over, though. Back, so three more guys are going to be leaving the program um, after spring ball. Um, and I've heard some names. I'm not going to throw the names out there. I think that's unfair to the kids. But I've heard a couple of names in particular. Um, your thoughts on Cavazos and Shaw leaving the program, and, and the Buckeyes still needing to. Uh, trim the roster by at least three more. Well, I think, first of all, good luck to them. Uh, it was a shame to see Cavazos' career end on the field in the Rose Bowl with a broken leg, and I hope they land somewhere where they're going to get an opportunity to play because that's why they're leaving, because they probably weren't going to get that opportunity to play here. Uh, what this means to me is, is that they essentially got recruited over, and whenever you're an upperclassman or an older player and there's a younger guy than you starting in your spot, that's generally a sign that, you know, you can finish your career out and be a good depth guy, but you're probably not going to be a starter. And when you come in as a, a fairly high recruit, especially like Cavazos did, uh, the reality is you, you're going to have to go somewhere else in all likelihood to play unless you wait it out and you might get lucky, but you, there's no guarantees there. Uh, I think another factor is that Cavazos is from the other side of the country, had a big leg injury. And when you combine that with the playing time things, I bet you he ends up somewhere close to home out west. So, you know, good luck to those guys. But what that means is that the younger guys at those positions are, are already ahead of them. And that's not a surprise to me based on everything we've been hearing and seeing. And frankly, how highly ranked some of those guys were that were behind them. You had to fit in how many, how many of them there were. I mean, there was the, the one class, two classes ago, I think OSU had, what, three top 50 defensive backs? And we just saw two defensive backs transfer out that were older than them. This is what happens when those guys live up to their recruiting hype, right? If, if C.J. Hicks continues and locks in a spot and Reed Carrick goes the number one Sam like we were talking about and Steel Chambers grabs the other jobs, some of these other linebackers have decisions. And we don't need to get into who could be the candidates, right? That's like the, the water cooler talk on the front row. But the reality is at this point, there's probably going to be a few more. And that's what happens when you don't think you're going to get the opportunity to play by staying. All right, question here from Dominic. For quarterbacks, what are the chances C.J. Stroud misses out on Heisman votes due to not playing in blowouts? It's a concern, in my opinion, and, I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? Um, and with this schedule, there might not be as many blowouts as maybe we're hoping for. There, there will be a lot of blowouts, especially with the 12-game schedule. Um, it's also a concern, backs that they're going to – he's going <laughs> to – Share votes with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Travion Henderson, probably. Maybe, you know, maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. No, I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr., but certainly Jackson Smith and Jigba. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly high on Marvin Harrison Jr. He looks like a beast out there. Um, but Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Henderson, C.J. Stroud, they're all going to be in the running. Um, I still think C.J. Stroud's going to be a finalist. I, I think he's – I would put him as the favorite to win it. But that's a mild concern, I guess. I'm not that worried about it. If people are worried about OSU with blowouts, uh, the reality is the Big Ten's probably a deeper league this year than the SEC, and Bryce Young's going to have plenty of blowouts on his own, and Ohio State's schedule is really good. So I don't think – like, we're going to have blowouts, but I really don't think – if, if C.J. Stroud doesn't win the Heisman, it's not going to be 
for because we, we had blowouts. That's that's the least of our concerns here. C.J. Stroud didn't win the Heisman last year because we lost the last game of the year. And Bryce Young, who up to that point was not ahead of C.J. in the picking, ended up going to Atlanta. That was the difference at the end. So if you're worried about the Heisman stuff, which it's way too early to worry about how that's going to play out, I wouldn't be concerned about blowouts. I'd be concerned about just winning your damn games and being as good as you were last year. And he'll be right in the middle of it at the end of it. One more very important question to get to, and then I've, I've got to get rolling because I've got to get over to – got to get the show posted and get to the whack for quarterbacks and linebackers. Can't wait for that. All right. Uh, oh, we already hit that one. Uh, this is one I wanted to hit right here. This is this is important stuff. Dave, have you seen the, the Geico commercial with Icky Woods? Of course I have. And I love how they brought it back, you know, after like five years, you know, where he Woods, he gets the you know, cold cuts. Give me some cold cuts and does the icky shuffle. Woo! Even, backs, even being a Steeler fan like you are, isn't that a great commercial? I don't think anybody hates Icky Woods. Icky Woods is a, is, is a blessing for society, and we should encourage him to be on TV as much as possible. Like, that commercial was good 10 years ago. It's good now. Well, love there's it. no question about that. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. I, I'm just glad that I can, you know, finish the show talking about Icky Woods. Um, great stuff from Matt Baxendale. Uh, keep, again, keep it locked to Bucknuts. We're going to have videos and we're going to have stories on quarterbacks and linebackers. Can't wait to interview these guys. 10.30 a.m. at the WAC. Um, so keep it locked to Bucknuts. Thanks again to Bax. Thank you to all of you for tuning in to the show. We appreciate it very much. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. All of that stuff helps. Thanks again for joining us. I hope everyone has a great day. training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us that means you need to join us on fantasy baseball today in five part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank stample every monday through saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of march we'll break down the latest news spring training updates players to target and much more in just five minutes make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found